Yeah, last night, last night I was at a I was at a party, and this girl, this girl was talking to me about this um this magazine that her grandma subscribes to, and she was like, yeah, she's like, yeah, my grandma's always telling me about these crazy articles she reads in in the Federal magazine, and I'm like, isn't that one of those like crazy American racist ones? And she's like, wait, what? And I'm like, well, the Federal magazine. She's like, no, 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 I mean the Roger Federer magazine. That's what my grandma <laughs> subscribes to. And I was just had this great fun imagining to myself Roger Federer writing these like insane right wing. Jewish conspiracy articles like in his own personal magazine and her grandma being like this Roger Federer guy knows what he's talking about <laughs> a genius on and off the tennis court yeah but I, I've heard there is actually from from the Roger Federer uh, magazine I've heard there is a civil war brewing in the United States yeah uh, it's you know it's 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 strange you know you never would have thought that uh telling some uh Republican policy wonk that you're going to put him in a diaper, whatever, lead anywhere beyond just, you know, uh, incivility uh, on the website. But uh, yeah, things are getting weird here. I don't know. You know, you wouldn't think it would start in New York. You'd think it would start somewhere a little bit more um, contested. But uh, right now there's actually it's not really being reported on, but there's a blockade around Williamsburg and (laughs) uh, not a lot of. Alcohol, drugs, really all that stuff can't get in or out. So we're losing a lot of the fuel that we need. Drastic shortages of beard oil. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, what we need. What we need is we need an inspiring. We need an inspiring uh, 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 speech from one of our leaders. We need the Gettysburg Periscope. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you know, I, I think I think uh, hopefully uh, cooler heads will prevail, but. Uh, you know, we're looking at the next Fort Sumter, and I think it's going to be something along the lines of a fight at the uh, Park Slope uh, Co-op or something. I don't know. We'll see. I, or, I just hope that the real heads prevail. Or, or maybe, or, or, or maybe it's it, at, at a restaurant in Northern Virginia called Fort Sumter when Mike Pence is trying to order some like uh, a root marm or whatever food doesn't make you jack off. Uh, someone's going to come in and rush him out, and that's going to be the inciting incident. <laughs> whatever no, food it's you can be, eat. Yeah, it's going to be present. something more stupid. Like, I feel like that's the only way that something this could happen. So it'd be like, I don't know, like, what's the most inconsequential thing that could happen? And then somehow it's turned into like an Antifa scandal. Um, no, it's, it'll be like a racism thing, right? So it'll be like some old white lady kind of, uh, you know, getting angry at a cashier because um, she paid, she gave, she gave him, she was given change in like coins instead of notes. And it was like, this is racism. And somehow like Fox news would be like Antifa, Antifa, like, um, what, what's it called? Like Antifa, uh, uh, oh, my, my brain is fried. Antifa today. operatives have given me my change in, in coins when they should have given me my change in notes from this pint of piss, which I purchased <laughs> as I do every day here at this pub. It's because Antifa hates George Washington. And then somehow like, all the fucking, you know, Gavin McInnes dickheads will like, you know, come to New York and like it'll just be some weird proud. You know, that's how, yeah, that's how gonna, it'll start. It'll start. It'll start it's going like to start. Stupidest thing. It's going to start with the Proud Boys doing a flash mob, and it's going to and it will end uh, with uh, the quote unquote thousand year Reich. That's actually just a joke to trigger the liberals. <laughs> Hello and welcome back again, dear and loyal listeners, or new listeners, or disloyal listeners, because we know who you are, uh, to Trash Future, the podcast where I don't say the thing anymore. Um, 
we have a, a, a full, an almost full uh, group of us here today. Uh, it's me, Riley. You may remember me from every other episode of this podcast. Uh, on the boards today, operating at 30% capacity is Milo Edwards. Hell yeah, it's me, your boy. I've been entrusted with the technology on the basis that the most hungover person in the room should always operate the like complicated <laughs> recording software. With that, like, Which, if it goes wrong, will mean this entire podcast will never exist. Um, so that's good. Hussein Kasvani. Hi, it's Hussein. Uh, thank you to all the people who signed up to uh, the Trash Future Patreon just so they could debate me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Little backstory to this. So I think it was Friday when we were all here. Yeah. So we were talking about the, the royal wedding that no one was paying attention to and how um, the, the husband, I think, was like, he read The Great Gatsby, an excerpt. No, of it was Gatsby. a sister. It was some, some rich idiot. Right. And like, didn't actually know what The Great Gatsby was about. <laughs> Yeah. So, so we were like, well, if one of us get, if one of the trash boys gets married, like, what, what's going to be read? And I was like, well, obviously, it's going to be like Orwell's 1984, but we won't realize yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's a very important book about a man who lives in an egg. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I came up with this tweet. I was like. Uh, something along the lines of, um, if you're not allowed to be racist on the internet, then we'll be living in the world of 1984, dash, George Orwell 1984. <laughs> um, and like these guys were just like, oh, uh, uh, George Orwell didn't say that. It was like, yeah, he did. Like, hey, yes, he did. You know? And then as it continues, it was like, well, look, if you want to debate me, you have to sign up to the Patreon. And I, then I think- when we look at the Patreon, we have like two new subscribers. Yeah, so... so- Thank you guys, but you didn't sign up to the right tier. You signed up to the $5 a month. By the way, we have a Patreon. Sign up to it. $5 a month bonus episode tier when really you meant to sign up to the $25 a month debate me tier. Uh, and um, Debate me pay pig tier. We, have, we also have joining us uh, in studio, Kimberly McIntosh. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Kim is a policy officer at the Runnymede Trust, a think tank promoting sort of BME issues throughout the UK. And joining us uh, by phone line from New York, we have Patrick Monahan. Patty, hello. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, here mid siege uh, in the opening stages of our new civil war. Yeah. So uh, you know, if uh, the line cuts out, it's because uh, they cut the power. Well, you got to worry uh, that they might send Ben Shapiro sappers after you because his hitbox is really small. So like, <laughs> it, he's, he's he's very it's very he's very he's very hard to hit if they send a troop of Ben Shapiro's. Yeah. The Ben Shapiro guys, they come, it's one unit, but it's three guys. They're <laughs> and they're all wearing a trench coat. Well, it's, it's three Ben yeah, Shapiros right. stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. <laughs> and you don't even know where the logic is coming from. It's like, you know how like in, in some animes, um, it would be like in, in Dragon Ball Z, it's not like you can't follow how quickly Goku and Frieza are fighting. It's like you can't even see it because they're so fast and it's cheaper to animate that. Yeah. I just realized that now. That's why they were that fast. So fast you couldn't see them because you didn't have to animate them. But Huge. that's how, what it's like debating three Ben Shapiros at once because you're like, what is coming from his stomach? I've never heard a man with a stomach just, that smart. You're just screaming into the air and like you're convinced that Ben Shapiro is fair. Yeah, you, yeah you, you hear something like facts don't care about your feelings from the back and then you go, Dragon Ball Z surprise noise like oh, oh. like that they think all do he's gonna flash his dick at you when he opens his trench coat but actually just gonna own you with logic yeah uh, Patty is a New York based comedian and the host of the What a Time to Be Alive podcast as well as as the the first thing which is uh, that's true, true. Uh, yeah that's confirmed. your facts uh, thank you for that fact check it's very important <laughs> to uh, we we, you know, we famously keep... love facts we care about them more than our feelings absolutely even though we are all emotional boys. Yeah, we're all we're all emotional we all soy listen, boy leftists. We all listen to Post Malone. Yeah, you know we all like to listen to emotional rap like Post Malone. Hell yeah! 
He's my, he's my least favorite, favorite of the two Malone like brothers. That, hey, please don't stop listening to my music. That was <laughs> Post Malone's most recent news story. Post <laughs> <laughs> Malone, come on the show. Uh, but, <laughs> may not be as may not be as weird as it sounds. We'll wait. But both yeah. both Malone brothers are, are are gangsters. But you know, Post is more into like face tattoos and stuff, whereas Bugsy is into like being a kid and wearing pinstripe suits, yeah. <laughs> and carrying a gun and a violin case. Personally, I'm very excited for this because right now the SoundCloud rapper trend is to like, you know, wear a Supreme hockey jersey, but your number is your name and like to have different kinds of multicolored dreadlocks and um, to get face tattoos. I'm really excited for them to go past the like giant boxy outfit trend and then go full back into 1920s gangster style. I think that's the next place for for SoundCloud rap to go. That'd then, be great. Like firing yeah. silly string at each other. Yeah, you could get you could get, fa- you could get face tattoos that are like, "You'll never take me alive, copper." Yeah. <laughs> It'd be wonderful. Yeah, and, and and your face tattoo of Roger Rabbit kind of still fits, you know, <laughs> along with the fashion. They're still wearing tracksuit pants, but they're pulled up really high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's and and. I mean, the, the, the really what it's going to be, the, it's going to be the, the Bugs Bunny. Uh, Lord, forgive me. It's time to go back to the old me with the flintlock pistol. Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Someone make that song. One of the many. Sa- Franz Ferdinand, you listen to our podcast. Become SoundCloud rappers and make that song. Anyway, I have I have like content and stuff to go through on this Google Doc. Um, Hell yeah. Due to the witch's curse, we can't leave this dank hellhole until we go through it. Um, so... We're going to kick things off with the product and then get into some freaking politics, which, uh, you know what? It's spooky. Uh, we're going to get into some spooky politics because it's October. Oh, boy. Yeah. Riley's currently holding a torch under his chin mm-hmm. for the benefit of the listener. <laughs> Halloween I'm holding li- a tiki torch under Halloween my chin. Halloween live show. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot. We also had to plug the live show. We're doing a live show at the Secford on the 30th of October. Which is Halloween, right? Which is, well, it's, it's Muslim much. Halloween. Yeah. Mm. Um, Muslim Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Muslim Halloween here in the Caliphate. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, every event in the Caliphate is a Muslim event. So. Oh, yeah, of course. The Muslim yeah. Super Bowl, Muslim Christmas, yeah. uh, Muslim Easter. Muslim Super Bowl where like the, the, the best team from the Shia Muslims plays the best team from the Sunni Muslims, and we get to find out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what happens at Muslim Easter, though? Who comes back? Ooh. Ooh. This isn't a theology podcast, man. But yeah. think about it. <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, I think who comes back is obviously the hidden imam. Like it's the it's when the Mahdi comes. That's a, that's a controversial one. Yeah. Bear well, in mind the caliphate here is a Sunni caliphate. Okay. So there's the Mahdi. The Mahdi comes back and then finally rids Britain of the infidel. Wait, yeah. I thought the hidden imam was a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> I mean, it's not completely unfeasible. Let's just, like, just put it there. His um, lot of followers on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Link, right. LinkedIn rappers, we have a new thing. All right, so before we get into the into the politics today, the spooky politics, uh, yeah. I do have a product, and who boy is it ever frightacular? Oh, um, mm. I mean, it's frightacular if you hate dumb shit. That's very expensive. <laughs> is it a Wi-Fi connected pumpkin? Uh, that would be hilarious, yeah. <laughs> but no. Um, well, maybe. Uh, let's go through it. So it's actually called the King George the Sixth, and it is blank based. And the place the place where you get it uses three different blanks, and it celebrates the best of British spirit and decadence. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Right, 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 right. right. It's a pub where you're served urine. 
<laughs> this is this is a throwback. This is a throwback to this something. Is for the heads. <laughs> this, is, this is for the classic heads. This, yes. is from one of, this is from one of the many times one of us has gotten the cops called on us for posting, isn't it? Uh, yes, one of us. Uh, yeah, so like the free tubes may represent a certain type of viscosity of pee mm-hmm. that you drink mm. in the pub called the King George. The sixth, yes. yes. Um, and the reason it's being done is because... Um, the libs are being owned and that's really uh-huh. yeah. absolutely it's 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 it is because it's it's conservatives when they come to the uk go to this pub and then they order one of three types of premium urine um to what uh own us yes yeah exactly it's make america great again by drinking pee from this pub yeah and in the words of tom harwood our friend at guido forks <laughs> you may not a- want it but don't deny me the right to drink my own pee. Okay, Tom. It's a Tom. So it's a Tom Harwood themed pub where you drink someone else's pee. That's guess one. Anyone else have any? Right. any anyone else have a guess? I, I feel so sorry uh, for the I'm, listeners. I'm not a big. I'm not a big Anglophile, but I, I'm assuming it's just one of those things, those weird cracker things you guys use at Christmas, where you just blow open the things and there's stuff inside. That's pretty oh, yeah. much all I got. Do you guys not have that in America? Uh, no, we don't really, we blow a lot of stuff up, but just not a Christmas morning. Oh, uh, yes. sad. They, and usually they not don't. in America. Yeah. So my, my <laughs> girlfriend's American and we were doing Christmas shopping last year and she, she got excited about the idea of Christmas crackers, but being American didn't understand what they were called. And she shouted really loud in the middle of the supermarket, Milo, don't forget we have to get poppers. I'm like, that is not the same <laughs> not thing. The same. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very Listen, different shopping trip. I mean, if you want a much more American style Christmas, po- Christmas cracker experience, what you can do is instead of a nativity, you can set up a small Yemeni wedding. Uh, at the top of your plate in Christmas, <laughs> and then the, Saudi- uh-huh. <laughs> then the Saudis will just come bomb you into non-existence. Oh, I thought you were going to describe an American Christmas where everyone is just having wild anal sex. <laughs> anyway, poppers, anyone? Happy no, Christmas fine. to okay. America, oh, everybody. Uh, yeah, America. The, Chris- the Christmas cracker is, I think, a Larry the Cable Guy holiday movie. Uh. <laughs> um. Okay, so we have a pub where you drink pee or a Larry the Cable Guy holiday movie. <laughs> any, any more for any more? Shall I move on to the next hint? Can, yeah, can we have another <laughs> clue? Oh, can I guess one aspect? Uh, you may. Is it vegan? It actually might. No, it's not. It's not, okay. It's not. Is, it's it, not. is it plant-based? No. Okay. Is no. it a euthanasia device that kills you by giving you an overdose of a speedball? I mean, it's definitely something that someone who's eventually going to Dignitas would get. Okay. Oh, wait, was it King George VI? I think it was King George V that died that way, actually. <laughs> the monarchy's great. I'm so glad yeah. we pay so much King money George to support it. King George V was murdered by his doctor using a speedball, genuinely. What a way to go. He died in the same way as John Belushi. <laughs> Yeah. Are you suggesting that King George V like just like met his doctor and then was like, dude, I have so many good ideas for us to start restaurants? <laughs> Yo, what if, what if we take Buckingham Palace, take out all the furniture and make it levels? It'll be modern and forward looking while keeping tradition. Of course, we'll serve small plates and have a DJ. <laughs> that sounds great. We're going to call it Vesuvio, like the restaurant in the Sopranos. <laughs> okay, here's the next clue. It's easy to create an expensive blank using premium blank, but we wanted to focus on the customer experience. Uh, it's possible to create a really expensive house using premium bull semen. No, it's not. Isn't that the most expensive material? I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like, my brain doesn't work today. Well, how would you create a house out of semen? It wouldn't be easy. Frozen. No, it wouldn't be easy, but it would be the right thing to do. <laughs> 
Sometimes the easy <laughs> thing is popular. Damn, Iris Murdoch over here with the nice and the good. <laughs> Our moral obligations to build a house out of bull. I guess you could freeze it. <laughs> Sometimes to walk the road of peace, you have to jack off a bull, you know? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so... It's easy to create an expensive I'm a, I'm a little, blank. I'm a little hung up on the language here. They said it's easy to create something premium, but we wanted to focus on the customer experience, so they want to make it not premium for the customer. I'm a little confused. I still think it's the P-Pub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm, I'm all, every time I research these, I'm always more than a little confused. Um, but it, it is... It uses three different somethings. It celebrates the best of British spirit and decadence. Um, and while it's easy to create an expensive blank using premium blank, they wanted to focus on the customer experience. Right? It's a tricky one. It's one of the somethings Deep Blue something. <laughs> it's the movie Deep Blue Sea. You're correct. <laughs> no, that's a great Deep song. Blue something, the band, the band behind the song Bre- Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no one else has my frame of reference. I'm g- here's the last. There's gonna be one last, one last clue that we're just gonna quick, quickly go through, and I will tell you exactly what it is. It's available from a place called Bletchley Park, but Bletchley Park is located in Chelsea. Oh. Say that again. So it's not like the Bletchley Park. It's like another different. <laughs> yeah, Bletchley it's another park. different Bletchley Park. Oh, how odd. Um, this one's a real puzzler. And um, when we did the when we did the mirror, Matt Lawrence got it immediately. <laughs> Wait, hang on a minute. Bletchley Park is like uh, a guy who's like half really posh English and half Korean. Uh-huh, absolutely, that it's available from him. He makes an igloo out of bull semen, yeah. uh, and it's easy to create an expensive igloo made out of bull uh, using premium bull semen. But he went he went for the right thing to do. Okay, I'm just going to tell you guys what it is. Um, it's a drink that costs a hundred pounds. Huge. Is it pee? It's pee, isn't it? It's no, pee. It will eventually be pee, but right. no, it's it's bull semen. <laughs> it will never be bull semen. Oh. Uh, it is a hundred pound drink that's made of a mix of normal bourbon, a normal Polish liqueur, and Chambord, a normal, a normal, a normal other drink. That comes available. In a here's the thing. Experience Economy episode fans take note. It's available at a cocktail bar called Bletchley Park, named after the mansion where they broke codes in World War II, um, where you have to say the secret password to get in. Uh, and they dress you up like a code breaker from World War II. But don't worry, ordering is nightmarishly complicated because you need to use a code breaking machine. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And and if you go, do they also sterilize gay people in there to make you, <laughs> to make you feel like that? That was the dumbest ever policy, sterilizing gay people. <laughs> Literally, aside from the rights and wrongs of it, it's just like you've not understood gay people at all. Yeah, good luck getting pregnant now, boys. <laughs> You're not going to make any more gays. We'll see to it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, right. So, okay. So I I get some of this, right? Cuz so as the person who doesn't drink. Uh-huh. Um I don't know Nerd. What, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um other combinations good? Like do they work? They sound weird. Well, I mean, no. we've all had I mean, what's in the Polish liqueur? I think that's no, the I real mean, question. I, I mean, there were chosen Is it like a carp flavored liqueur because <laughs> if so I mean, I, I, it didn't say, but I mean, here's the thing. Like, what really gets me is it costs a hundred pounds. It's an infusion made using dry ice, topped up with mascarpone foam, gold chocolates, edible diamonds, and caramel, and oh. is finished edible with edible diamonds. I don't know what an edible. Either is it's that? edible or it's a diamond. Those two things do not meet at any point. <laughs> no, it's like it's like when the the the, the gold coated fried chicken was a thing. 
And it went like super viral. And then when they were like, well, how do you get the gold on? It's basically, well, we get this really tiny bit of gold. Um, Just reduce it into like flakes that are so like irrelevant that you can't like the second they touch your tongue, they'll just dissolve anyway. Flakes that are made out of like Toby Young's opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like the only kind of purpose having them is so that you can Instagram them saying, oh, I'm eating gold, like gold plated chicken wings. Yeah. For, and it just in this case, it costs a hundred pounds and takes three days to prepare. It takes three days. You have to order it three days in advance, and it takes a half hour for them to make that it. The whole process just seems like no one would enjoy it, though, because mm-hmm. like, so you're like, let's say you're like, you're you're a disgruntled like city worker, right? Uh-huh. That's who this is for, yeah. by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's for certain people who work at certain mid-sized management consultancy yeah. companies. Where None of them are gruntled. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so you're going to this bar, and like, you have to dress up. Like a fucking loser. They dress you get. up. They dress you up. Yeah, they give you a jacket when you get there. So in Soviet cocktail bar. Yeah. Did, did they wear a particular kind of jacket in the code breaking it, facilities? Is this something I'm not aware of? <laughs> yeah, the special code breaking jacket. It gives you plus four yeah, to your like intelligence a- skill. <laughs> you have to dress like Benedict. What, what are like? What, you know, I'm assuming that like the the codes that you have to break are not going to be like super difficult. No, they have to be good enough that a drunk idiot yeah. white collar, you know, mm. person with a two one who now has like UBI for people with two yeah. ones um, <laughs> can then effectively order a drink without or accidentally getting the rat poison. So it's, so it's Although kind of, that would be yeah. cool in high stakes. So it's kind of like mid 2000s football trivia. <laughs> um, yeah. Like Oasis songs. Um, I'm going to say that, uh, Give it. Here's the a couple more things about this because I I just I love I love hearing about things like this because a it's a proven fact that all cocktails taste bad. That's not true. No, all, no, that's not all true. overly fancy like five to seven ingredient cocktails they all mm. taste just sort of miscellaneously sour. That is true. Any cock any cocktail like that it's just like. Mm. It took a long time to make. It cost twelve pounds, or for Amer- our American friends, like twenty dollars, mm. and um, it just tastes sort of sour and unpleasant. Mm. And it's gone in three seconds. Um, I'm going to start a band called Miscellaneously Sour. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you start a band? It's 2018. So, so, th- so, this, so this, this is this is another weird thing, right? It's kind of like you're simulating. I I, I read this essay a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember. Can't remember where it was. You read from, an essay was... and you don't drink. Yeah. Nerd. Yeah, I, I might as well just be on the Romaniacs, right? Um, <laughs> so it was kind of like this idea that there was a certain generation of people who like, are obsessed with simulating themselves in like World War II situations because their lives are so mundane and boring. Um, but they kind of want to fantasize like, you know, the stories that you say, about, oh, you know, my granddad was in the war and all that stuff. Like this is kind of a next extension. They want to like live like that and experience it because like nothing else, you know, the fantasy, like, you know, the whole like inject it into my veins. That's effectively uh-huh. what it is. Right. Um, and our boys are gay. I'm going to be a real Nazi. <laughs> I, love, I love the, I, I also love the whole idea of going to the code, uh, going to the code breaking bar and then accusing everyone who hasn't been there of stealing valor. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, sir, I served, I served four hours in the in the Chelsea basement yeah. and spent upwards of five hundred pounds getting myself some like drinks made with like normal just booze you can buy from an off license and dry ice. Yeah. You don't know what I went through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, men, men, men have been bored on Tinder dates to wear that jacket. So when if you break the code, do does everyone have to like call you a troop? Yeah, that's exactly it. This is this is how we're gonna beat. Uh, Al Qaeda, Russia. Who are we fighting now again? All of them. Yeah, all of yeah, them. Yeah, just together in a big. Um, it's, like, it's like a sort of Marvel Avengers type. Believe, believe, yeah. So 
This is just a bar for well-dressed people with autism? Is that, so that's basically <laughs> what this is? People in fedoras, basically. No, it's people who want... That's the thing. It's Because it's all very easy. It's people who want to steal autism valor, more or less. Uh-huh. It's, it's like the type of it's like uh, it's, it's the type of guys who like really love going to like you know make believe speakeasies. Oh well, mm. I'll tell you, it is from the brains behind the Breaking Bad RV cocktail bar that oh. used to be parked oh. near here. Jesus. Uh, and the Naked Restaurant. Is that a thing? Yeah, it used to be a thing. You have to go naked. Yeah. Well, the other restaurant just, just doesn't wear clothes. It, well, it's it, it's like the restaurant that's always posting thirst traps. Um, the it's na- a restaurant that serves you really salty food but has no drinks. <laughs> it's a restaurant. It's a restaurant that uh, was all in darkness, but you go naked and all the waiters are naked, and then you eat naked. But no one can see you. Uh, I don't think so. What's the point oh, then yeah, in like, being naked? Like the, the perfect, the perfect. The place. point is, it's deep, yeah. Kimberly. It's <laughs> deep as hell. <laughs> point. The point. The point how, is, you I mean, know, how wide are the aisles between tables in that restaurant? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Not wide enough for my like, comfort. Like, the, the, like we really have to decrease the chances of a busboy's dick like grazing my like shoulder. Right? I don't want that like, during my meal. That's that's everyone is so bored by like the sort of plastic fun houses that London and New York have become that we need to like, you know, use a little Enigma machine to order a 200 pound drink or 100 pound drink and like risk a bus boy crop dusting us as we like have a mediocre hanger steak. Now that's an experience. (laughs) Now that's the experience economy. Um, of course, honorable mentions in London's horrible theme bar category include the aforementioned Meth Lab Prestige TV theme bar, the Prison theme bar on Brick oh, Lane, yeah, that great. and the worst of all, the Job Center, which, for the benefit of Patty, is our like unemployment office theme bar in Deptford. Wow, in Deptford as well. It's apparently like the least sensitive. Apparently, it's doing really well. Like it still exists, and it's like it's, it's actually great. better funded than most of the DWP. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Trash future, baby. We we had we we had that here. Some we don't have like the full on theme places as much, but we had a uh, there was a place in Crown Heights that was uh like they had uh what what the 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 owner who was like a lady who worked as like a lawyer for like ten years and then bought a place right when it was gentrifying. She's like, oh, these are like real bullet holes in the wall. <laughs> you know? uh, I remember that one. <laughs> the neighborhood was not happy. <laughs> She was not sorry. Yeah. I saw a video with her. Yeah. She couldn't have given less fucks. Yeah. So when a normal person no, went in that true. bar by mistake and tried to shoot themselves and missed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, no, these these bullet holes weren't created by like crime and deprivation. You just put those bullet holes in yourself, you fraud. Yeah. <laughs> what it turned out what they were, I think, was they were marks from where they had like attached the bodega fridge to the wall or something. It was something insane. Like very mundane explanation. Just holes in the wall not bullet holes like you know just because it's in crown heights doesn't mean there's bullet holes <laughs> okay they're, they're coming over to our country they're shooting bodega fridges at people okay it's very, <laughs> it's very dangerous oh, okay so everybody that is uh that's the king george the sixth donald trump finally builds the wall and then some mexicans just bolt a massive fridge to it <laughs> That'd be oh, fun. It's so dumb. I don't even know if it's funny. All right. So, um, 
we all know, right, that, uh, you know, Silicon Valley is, of course, a hotbed of, of lefty liberalism that is excluding conservative voices, whether it's discriminating against employees like James Damore, who is our logic genius, or, um, you know, um, shadow banning David Vance, uh, meaning he's not getting enough likes and retweets on his tweets. Right. We all know that, of course. David Vance is a real one. David, no, like, David Vance like, is... Like, whatever stupid stuff we do, like, he'll always... He'll signal boost it. Oh, yeah. Question. Oh, the no, mystery he's... mystery of the Vance. Yeah. So, but we all know that, right? Um, now, we've... Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I mean, you know, you've all read the show notes, so of course you have. I actually haven't. <laughs> Peek so. behind the trash feature curtain. <laughs> um, but there was, an, there was an article recently in Australian magazine Quillette um, about uh, the... The successor to James Damore, uh, a guy called Brian Amaridge. James who, Delass. James, thank you, Hussein. That, uh, did, you, did you make that up? James, James Dion Reddy. <laughs> James the most. James Disefficient. That's, sounds like a sound god rapper, James, James the most. <laughs> so could some extremely rational SoundCloud rapper please pick up the name James Demost? <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, but Brian, Brian, but James Damore was uh, so let go from Facebook uh, for writing a memo that basically is like women be shopping, not coding, <laughs> more or less. Um, and that's see, that, that that's actually a myth. He he was fired because he kept stealing eggs uh, from nests. <laughs> Maybe that's the. Uh, he that's, read The Great Gatsby and he just got very excited about eggs. <laughs> no, that's 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 the that's the Muslim Easter Bunny is a very rational um, online high IQ guy steals eggs so he can then sell them in Watney Market to fund the debate me to your Patreon. <laughs> um, damn, that was so many callbacks. Uh, so, uh, but so Brian Emmerich just done a similar thing. He has. Um, he wrote, but he wrote a memo about how Facebook has a political monoculture. But what I find almost more interesting than that is the magazine in which it came out, Quillette. We've not discussed Quillette directly before, but we read it quite a bit because it's basically like a long-form online magazine started by Claire Lehman, an Australian enthusiast for poorly thought-out reactionary condescension. They tend to publish a lot of Toby Young, who we all know who that is. For our American listeners and for Patty, uh, he's a guy who got into Oxford by accident and then got fired from a government job after three days for being really, really stupid, and he also is into eugenics. Okay. And also bullied a student into paying for his cab that time. <laughs> um, but if you want an approximation of the writing style of Quillette, it's like being berated at length by someone wearing full body prospector underwear with the butt flap down. But that's so, just anyone in Australia. You can't, like, let's, let's be fair. Um, so we took this article from Gideon Scopes last month. It's entitled A Facebook Engineer's Plea for Political Diversity. Um, so the, he, this memo, much like the Fire for Truth memo, um, basically says Silicon Valley is intolerant of me, specifically Facebook. We'll get into why that's nonsense later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he presents two main arguments. Number one, Facebook is a political monoculture that's intolerant of different views. We claim to welcome all perspectives, but are quick to attack, often in mobs, uh, anyone who presents a view that appears to be in opposition to left-leaning ideology. We throw labels that end in obe and ist at each other <laughs> rather than attacking uh, one another's ideas. Yeah, I don't remember hearing about any connected guys that know Facebook. <laughs> I mean, all we can say is that quote-tweeting someone with 
dot 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 fam and then the emo then the, the kind of exasperated emoji that is violence that's literal violence that is literal mm. violence that, that is, is antifa true. so but, but what amaridge is claiming is that you cannot advance uh, a conservative idea uh without sort of people calling you a racist in this case we theorized the conservative idea is um i have a hood pass for some reason but in this case it could be anything why are these people talking about politics at work? <laughs> That's an extraordinarily like, good question. question. I mean, like, like, you know, maybe if these places didn't create, I mean, this is Facebook's fault because all these Silicon Valley companies create this thing where it's like, we want to be your whole life. We're, we're your mom. We'll bring your laundry to you. We'll do all, you know, you don't have to go anywhere and talk about whatever you want on our message boards. I mean, like these people are morons for doing it in the first place, but like, I don't talk about, politics in the break room at my what are you nuts like well why would you I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me well, I think it's, so you know this kind of extremely rational conservative needs everyone to know what they think mm. and needs to be able and needs to and wants to be able to sort of sit because they feel persecuted all the time but, then at, yeah. the, but at the same time like this is a very deliberate thing because what i noticed from like reading this stuff and also like i guess the stuff on spiked and there is that kind of revolving door um around these publications is that like they're very well it's all well and good for them to kind of say that oh you know every time a conservative opinion is announced on like social media everyone just goes to them right but they never really kind of go beyond that they never really say well what what conservative idea has actually been said they kind of use these very ambiguous terms because mm-hmm. you know for all the for all it's worth like you know if someone tweets that tweets something along the lines of i don't know um you know a, a a government department should be closed because the big state is bad or something like that. Like it's a stupid opinion and it's one that's kind of founded in like, you know, randism and stuff, but it's not going to be something that you're going to be like dunked on for. Mm-hmm. So the one, the opinions that you get dunked on are like the fucking like eugenic shit, right? It's kind of like, you know, you know, comparison of like skull shapes and stuff, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the to- which is where like the whole Toby Young thing comes yeah, in. Yeah. You're right? not allowed to bring your phrenology calipers. <laughs> <into work laughs> Facebook. You're not allowed to measure women's heads on the tube. I have to pretend that tweezers. Once. <laughs> Look, no one will debate me on my legitimate conservative opinion that we should go back to the good old days and all teenagers should have to wear leather jackets and drive around in big old cars with flames on the side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say, it's, it seems to me that like, Another problem with this in the tech context is a lot of these guys, um, they lack, let's call it, they lack emotional intelligence. Maybe they lack the ability no. to feel certain emotions. <laughs> and and when they when they ha- want to have these debates that are very dry, they say things, you know, like, well, why are you offended? It's just a word. Just log into your terminal and toggle off anger emotion. You know, <laughs> they don't understand that these things provoke a reaction in people. I've yeah. just and realized that's just the way it is. I've just realized that the alt-right guys are like that villain Renard from the James Bond film The World Is Not Enough and they've all been shot in the head and uh, it like stops them feeling emotions. Like Eventually the bullet will kill them but they'll get more logical every day until they die. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like that episode of The Simpsons when Homer gets a pencil like stuck in his brain. Oh yeah. And he becomes becomes smarter. It's that basically all, all all of these sort of libertarians who are worried they're being censored at their billionaire run extraordinarily conservative republican donating companies by the way they're all they they all have a crayon shoved 
somewhere into their prefrontal cortex. It was a crayon, though. Yeah, it was a crayon. Uh, and, and as a result, uh, they don't understand that, like, you know, eugenics isn't popular anymore, um, that you shouldn't bring phrenology calipers to work, and that the word doesn't actually mean ignorant person. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's an engineer, though, right? Yeah. And that's all it says is, like, so he's... His his job is basically to make sure that the platform like works. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. So, but so it's kind of yeah. He's but the, I think the well he the the second concern is we do this this policing of opinion, mm. quote unquote. I made air quotes for the benefit of the listener. Um, so consistently that employees are afraid to say anything when they disagree with what's around them politically. HR has told me this is not a rare concern, and I've personally gotten over a hundred messages to this effect. So uh, people are blowing up his inbox. <laughs> Your colleagues are afraid because they know that they and not their ideas will be attacked. They know all the talk of openness to different perspectives does not apply to the causes of social justice, immigration, diversity, and equality. On these issues, you can either keep quiet or sacrifice your reputation and career. Just don't talk about this stuff. Just just keep working on how to mine our personal information and sell it to the highest bidder, okay? Stick to the task at hand. <laughs> well, I think all, all of these all these guys, like because they're conservatives that feel incredibly aggrieved and even social limits on their behavior are unacceptable to them. Um, they it's it's they feel like no, they all and I'm so rational, all of these libs need to be educated. You know, I'm yeah. doing them a service. They just can't take criticism. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I had the joy of being at um, a free speech event as like the rogue left wing panelist. Oh, Sponsors was this, was include it, was this the very Rand Foundation. Was this the very normal oh. battle of ideas conference? Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like I've been so fascinated with this, but like I saw like some screenshots that like Ned Donovan had put up on Twitter yesterday, and like one of them was like, "Is Me Too killing romance in yeah. the office yeah. in the office culture?" Um, and like all the kind of anecdotes he was getting. So there was like, oh, what was it? There was like this one person who was like just cornered Ned and was like, I think elitism is good actually. And these are like a hundred reasons why. And he's just like, he was just standing on his own, like having a drink or something, right? Um, so number one, what was that? What was the whole experience of that just like? It was very different. I'm used to being surrounded by like-minded peers, um, the kind that would inspire such a long letter. Really intelligent but, people like us. So you, yeah, exactly. The super smart people. Mm. Um, some the people on my panel were really nice, but it is a strange. It's a strange place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. What the weirdest things was that as soon as I got there, this guy was like, "Yeah, I think at the beginning of my session, I'm just gonna just start singing the Tommy Robinson chant just for like a normal thing to do." Tommy Robinson. He was just like, "Yeah, I just think I might open with that." And well, I was what, just like, "Okay." What tune is that to? Um, I'm not sure because I've not heard it before. Actually, no, it's just you know? it's baby yeah, giving yeah. up. Yeah. Like, no, I, I hear it sometimes. Sometimes when I like do um, any kind of counter protesting, there will be people chanting. Tommy, 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 Tommy <laughs> Robinson. Hey, Tommy. Yeah, oh, that's definitely oh, it. He was wow. doing the hey, that Tommy sounds like thing. a sitcom theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Tommy Robinson. <laughs> Seinfeld <laughs> baseline. <laughs> Dilute him with four parts water. Anyway. Like, their, 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 whole, their whole thing was like, you know, we like diversity of opinion and mm. we want, and like, you know, I guess the fact that you were there, maybe there is like an argument to say it's like suggests that, but like, you know, the impression that I got the impression that I get is like to someone looking online mm. and kind of the things that, you know, the panels that are like selectively hosted and stuff like seems to suggest that even if there is like some diversity in opinion, mm. like generally like, the you know, there was like a panel like cultural Marxism. And yeah. Like some guy kind of saying, mm. yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, come I, I guess, I guess, the, I guess, the, I guess the thing that I'm 
kind of curious about is um you know how far do like they kind of because they like to champion the idea of diversity mm. but i sort of wonder like how genuine that is and how that like how that attempt actually manifests like you know did you see anyone like saying something that you know was kind of very left-leaning and people were just like booing or like you know shaking their heads and stuff like that people weren't booing okay. it also depends who organized they have like a system where different individuals are responsible for mm-hmm. panels so mine was right. organized by like a reasonable person who made sure there's a range of views and the whole thing was quite reasonable i'm not used to having people not clapping when i say things but obviously my views weren't <laughs> yeah. popular at all so yeah. there were like two rogue people like yeah you know maybe <laughs> like measuring like people's ethnicity and trying to get more black people at the theatre is like a good thing and like three people clap and everyone what else is like- What have on the caliper industry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> caliper producers are workers. Well, there are more women caliper producers. Well, that's the thing that I think that really applies to, that sort of applies to this. It's the same premise. Mm. It's this, this, I, this sort of, this idea that like free, uh, free speech means uh, where like really like, most of these free speech events wouldn't have a token lefty on them. Most mm. of the free speech events are a group of libertarians who are doing the Tommy Robinson chant. And that's the thing. Only like I went to other panels for the rest of yeah. the day and a lot of them, it was all just right wing people. And for them, that's what it means. Yeah. For that, for, for them, free speech means the freedom to do, but the, it means the freedom to like Sig Heil in the office or whatever. Yeah. It means the freedom to do whatever they want. It means the freedom to say that like, we should, you know, build the damn wall, kick out all the immigrants, family separations are good. That's what it means for them. And that's the, what they're mourning. Yeah. They're like, oh, I used to be able to just walk around saying that, you know, like Danny, I bet he doesn't work as hard because he's black and now they can't say it. And they're like, damn, what an encroachment on I my used, free I used speech. to be able to say the N-word, but now I have to like be attached to a black symbiote to be able <laughs> <Yeah>. to do it. <laughs> <laughs> black symbiote gives you a hood pass. Political correctness <laughs> gone mad. Cultural Marxism. Right? <laughs> Now, here's the thing. I have no idea what this Brian Emmerich guy said. I don't, maybe he didn't say anything. But what's clear from the fact that of, of what he's written is that he basically harbors beliefs that he feels will brand him a homophobe or a racist, probably because he believes that those – probably I'm inferring here – that someone would say that if they believe that those people aren't fully human. Here's, yeah. here's like a question that I have. Like He hasn't actually said – he hasn't like has he said in this piece that I said this and this is the reaction that I got. No, no. So he he's has, basically like he's created this situation in his head, yeah, right? He's which basically says that him. if I say this thing, then everyone's going to pile on me. And my thinking is like, okay, so shouldn't that like be intuition that maybe the thing that you're saying isn't like particularly well thought? Oh out? yeah, he's detected a social <laughs> limit on his behavior and he resents that it's there, so he yeah. quit his job. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like the most ra- that's like the most rational, the most rational thing to do, right? So. So in the Quillette article that actually presented this summary, uh, the guy uh, who wrote it, this Scopes fellow, Gideon Scopes. Um, what a name. Yeah, goes on, <laughs> uh, suggesting that outsiders like Amaridge and Damore protesting against Silicon Valley's culture may actually be remembered as history's path-breaking geniuses. He says, <laughs> the great physicist Albert Einstein, the only smart person to formulated his theory of special relativity not as a professor, but while working at a clerk as a Swiss patent office. And several centuries earlier, Galileo Galilei was brought before the Inquisition and sentenced to a lifetime of house arrest for presenting the results of his research showing that the Earth revolves around the sun. Do you know about, wow. do you know, do you know about like various groups on Facebook that still believe that Galileo was wrong? Yeah, and I bet many of them probably quit their jobs in anger. It's, very, it's, very, it's extremely funny. I just wanted to bring that up. 
um like the like the anti the anti Galileo contingent of um of Facebook the extremely rational platform. Galileo had a dumbass name. I'm going to put that out there cuz No, like, it was Buller. Cuz his, his surname was Galilei and his parents were like what should we call him? Galileo. Yeah, but if he was around in 2018, Galileo? he would just call himself Galileo and like he would just have that one Post Galileo. Post Galileo. But right, so Galileus. This this is basically how these guys see themselves. Is they see themselves they is that whole this is this is why the sort of disruptor culture yeah. that Silicon Valley produces is not at all Galileo was the original progr- disruptor. It's not at all progressive. <laughs> It just, it's just contrarian. Yeah. It's literally yeah. just contrarian. It's contrarian for the sake of it. And this is the thing, like, they actually openly admit some of this, right? So, like, the spike, some of the spike people were like, yeah, we should kind of, we should, we should, we should, like, encourage people to kind of say provocative things just for the hell of it because, like, the notion of free, you know, the notion of un- unconditional free speech is the thing that, you know, matters most. Um you know, so this is he's kind of like following in that tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, what I still I still go back to like the thing that I was saying before that this is a very peculiar thing because it's like he hasn't even said the thing that he wants to say, right? Mm-hmm. And he clearly wants to say this kind of like thing about it's perfectly reasonable to measure people's heads in public transport. Whatever If it's for research and you shouldn't judge my hobbies, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, don't don't kink shame don't kink yeah. shame on Maine. So. The other thing is we can look actually at the evidence of what Silicon Valley does with this disruptor ethos that it sort of values so much and where everyone seems to think that they're all massively left wing, even outside the fact that they consistently donate to Re- the Republican Party. They can they like build Trump's border wall. It's concentrated efforts of workers that stop them from building AIs for like drone programs. And the fact that like. That, that they are facilitating like like mass scale surveillance and data mining, working with police departments around the globe, right? Like that's not that's not even liberal. That's not yeah. it's not even left. It's not even liberal. It's damn conservative. Yeah. I mean, the, recently there was this story came up that Amazon created an AI program to help it, like you know, to analyze resumes for it. And they said, you know, everyone wanted this holy grail. They wanted it to be an engine where, you know, you give it 100 resumes, it spits out five, and we hire those people. And all it did was just massively discriminate against women. It just, if it included the word women, then it cut it out because all of all this AI, all these algorithms have to be taught based on existing data sets. And so they're all of their mind, all of that facilitation, it just facilitates what, what already has existed. The idea that there is, it's going to create any kind of like progressive utopia out in the West is utterly laughable. Building a hiring AI to own the women. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Finally, those dames got taken down hey, a peg. Like having jobs women? Well, guess what? Owned. Yeah, no, we're, Amazon is building a post-work future for women just without – and a post-money future too. <laughs> As we all know, Theresa May and Donald Trump have been allowed to write all their own news coverage for the last couple of weeks. The new minister for suicide prevention in the UK has no budget and austerity shows no signs of slowing down. And we're all going to be swallowed by a boiling sea in about 10 years. Well, hang on. Let's be fair. Donald Trump can't write. So. He <laughs> dictated. Yeah. Yeah. He is like functionally like not that literate. Um, but today we are going to focus on London's mayoral candidate, Sean Bailey, the Tory party's London mayoral candidate, Sean Bailey. Now he is one of the biggest shitheads in the history of politics. Um, Kim, can you introduce our listeners to this guy? So Sean Bailey is ultimate lad. They've unearthed something he wrote in 2006. Who, 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 like uh, half our listeners are American. So 
we might want to do a broader introduction. Okay. You speak louder and slower, uh, and you use, <laughs> use shorter words if possible. Okay, wait, guys, guys, uh, just as an American, I uh, can add some perspective here. What is a mayor? <laughs> Came over to you. So, Sean Bailey is um, the Conservative Party's um, candidate for, to be the mayor of London, and we have an election coming up in about two years. So, the current mayor, Sadiq Khan, um, is pretty popular. He's also an ethnic minority, so the Conservative Party thought we better get one of those as well. <laughs> the only way to be a bad guy with a minority is a good guy with a minority. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a really weird sequel to the film Minority Report. <laughs> but that was set in London for a bit of it, wasn't it? Was, was it? I don't know. I mean, it might have been. I, I think it was. <laughs> Let's all rewatch that. At Alex Keeley with the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Please carry on. But Sean Bailey is black, but unfortunately, he said some not so great things about black people about 10 years ago. And some journalists from BuzzFeed have found it. And the top gems. Oh, have you got a quote? I've got Ooh, the two quotes. Up. I have the quotes that we found. Um, and mm. he, well, actually, he said a lot of not great things about black people and Muslim and Hindu people as well. Yeah, because <laughs> going for, going for everyone, yeah. Yeah. you know? He's an equal opportunity free speech offender. Exactly. Maybe, maybe he, he quit his job at Facebook. He's like <laughs> he's like the Eminem of politics. You know, like, you know, like, Eminem, you know, like the Kamikaze album was just like... <laughs> 18 distracts. <laughs> yeah. He's like rhyming stuff that doesn't rhyme in this yeah. article. Yeah. Turns to Sadiq Khan. It's like, you went to Cranbrook. That's a Muslim school. Um, so he wrote a pamphlet in 2005. Um, and he says, I speak to the people who are from Brent, uh, and they've been having Muslim and Hindi days off in school. Hindi, that's a language, not a religion. Anyway, yeah. carrying on. Um, what it, but what this does, what multiculturalism does, is rob Britain of its community. And without our community, we slip into a crime-riddled cesspool. Ah, yes. Taking days off to spend <laughs> with your family yeah. is very anti-community. Yeah, that's it's really awful. And, you know, any time that you, like, leave work early to eat because it's Ramadan, like you actually have to commit several crimes on your way back. Like you, whether it's a, if you have a snack, you double park. Um, if you're going to have a full meal, then you need to commit some minor fraud. And if you're going to eat with your family, then of course you need to load up the nearest white person into a trebuchet and then send them over the Thames. I heard that that's all in the Quran. Yeah. Word for word. It's a Hadith. Scholars maintain. Yeah. Just go, go, go to Tooting High Street. You'll see like all the double yeah. parking anyway. And on single mothers. Now, this will be uh, well familiar to you, Pat. Um, on single mother, because you you've heard you've heard this before. I'm not saying you're a single mother. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you keeping that a secret. We'll have heard, you'll have heard this uh, in the 1990s. Um, in fact, Sean Bailey does a lot of reacting, re- digging up 1990s ideas and bringing them into the early 2000s. Yeah, he's um, a 90s guy. He's wearing parachute pants. <laughs> <laughs> you're from the 70s, but I'm a 90s mayor. <laughs> so on single mothers, he says, in some cases, they will deliberately become pregnant as they know that if they do, they get a flat. They talk to me about it openly. They tell me that becoming pregnant is an opportunity. So Cadillac Man, Queens. This, this, is, this, this is just such warmed over garbage. Yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's the Obama phone again or whatever. It, they Wait, just what? love this welfare queen thing. What's the I, Obama it's phone? It's really something. <laughs> is that like, what's the Obama phone? 
Oh, that was like the thing. There was some thing. Somebody misspoke or something. And like, then there was one person in one at one like political event back in the Obama years that said, I got my Obama phone or something. And they still talk about it. Conservatives still <laughs> think that Obama was giving cell phones to like, you know, like basically welfare queen type people. It's really unbelievable. If you don't have a job, you should be forced to use a pay phone. It was good enough for the characters right. in The Wire. It's good enough for you. They should have to use an Amstrad emailer. <laughs> Um, right. So this is, but this indicates, right. That Sean Bailey thinks that due to people's culture or poor or choices, poor people, especially minorities are responsible for their own lot in life. Um, and as such, he sort of is taking up his post as uh, mayor of, or running on a platform for mayor of London on the basis of gutting stuff and bringing back private markets and community and individual responsibility. Yeah. And what I find interesting but also confusing is that the conservative party in the uk says that they're constantly complaining about identity politics there's been like eight articles over the past month saying that liberal democracy is under siege because of identity politics but sean bailey is straight up saying if you're from a certain background you want to have a baby to get a flat. If you listen to rap music, this was another oh, gem we'll of his oh, coming up yeah. soon. <laughs> he's really down with the kids. When you, Wait till you hear the artists he's named as being the most popular. Yeah. <laughs> but he believes that he pathologizes the communities he's meant to represent and basing it, distilling them down to their identity and nothing else. And the only sphere he thinks that any of us have agency um, is within the economic sphere and that's where we're failing um, mm. and could do more but we're not living up to our potential and instead we're taking handouts it's very paternalistic mm -hmm. he also thinks working class people need rules that's just what we need mm -hmm. um, loves rules yeah, lo yeah. love rules me some rules rules control the fun of being working class exactly what would anyone do in the morning yeah. Yeah. I'd get up and be like, what am I going to do today? There's no rules, I guess. No, yeah. Maybe he thinks working class people are just like poorly programmed AIs that if they aren't told exactly what to do, we'll just keep walking into the same wall <laughs> over and over and over again. But I mean, the thing is, like, it's um, he's in a like, people have suggested that his pick is tokenistic. Mm. And the George Osborne paper has said, oh, this is vile racist abuse to suggest that Sean Bailey is a token. I what is ridiculous as well is that George Osborne used to be our Chancellor of the Exchequer. He does not have a background in journalism and yet out of nowhere got mm. given editorial ship of a major London paper, even though he has no experience. Mm. He also used to be part but, of the Bullingdon Club, right? Let's yeah. get it slightly off track. Oh, okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that is that basically it's is the suggestion that sort of Bailey's pick is tokenistic is has been called racist. Yeah, by but Osborne's given him the front page day after day, which isn't warranted for just someone who's a candidate for London mayor and front page to the abuse that he's faced. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I don't support people tweeting him abuse, but compared to Sadiq Khan and Diane Abbott and basically any other ethnic minority MP or public figure, you know, he's got like two tweets. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't deserve a front page. And it does blur the line between legitimate criticism um, of selecting someone who seems to be pandering to identity um, and being able to criticize that and not be called a racist. And it's, 
his excuse was that like I wrote them a long you time. Defer- his, his, his excuse was that I wrote it a long time ago when he was thirty four years old. And his thing was like, Oh, you know, I I, I was making comments like the single mothers one because like I was a social worker based out in Ladbroke Grove and no one was writing about Ladbroke Grove at the time which like number one I'm pretty sure like Zadie Smith was writing yeah, like not about Ladbroke Grove but about like areas that were pretty similar to it and mm. also all the kind of like themes around kind of you know parenthood and you know being kind of second like second generation immigrant like poor immigrants and stuff right so it was being written about and it was being written about in like a much smarter and much more nuanced way right and second like you're 30 you know if you're, if you're like in your 30s and he's had he's got like kids at this time as well right yeah mm-hmm. um you know there's got to be like some sort of like at least like self-awareness that like mm-hmm. these are comments that like number one they don't they've never really matched up to reality right mm-hmm. um and number two like even if you sincerely believe that stuff, you're running for like political office. And it's just like really busy, you know, and I'm pretty sure that he knew this, you know, because he seems like someone who was like very ambitious, like someone Mm. who kind of wanted to be involved in politics, but lacks like the self-awareness of, you know, this is how you kind of present these really bad points, at least like in a slightly more palatable way. And at least using some kind of evidence. Yeah. Like once again, apparently identity politics and anecdotal evidence and the personal is political and meant to be the antithesis of small c Mm. conservatism yet his whole pamphlet there's no references to research he hasn't even interviewed people on the estates to ask them about their views it's just his opinion the whole thing is his opinion and he hasn't distanced himself from it now he hasn't said do you know what 10 years ago i did think that but now i've moved forward i've done more learning i've read more and i know that this isn't the truth and i'm going to um implement these policies when i'm mayor to help single mothers to um try and reduce crime and i'm sorry about the um muslim stuff i said so none of that has happened who's still in a pre-woke period in 2018 right that's a lot of people actually everyone everyone who writes for quillette Oh right! Yeah. I forgot. I forgot about everything. It's <laughs> um, yeah. so okay. not just us guys. So, you stop living in your like political bubble. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe I should go. Maybe I should leave my my political. My, my, yeah, there's I a country the off the coast of Indonesia. <laughs> listen to <laughs> listen to a few more. Uh, so uh, I've got I've got a piece by uh, well I've got sort of two pieces from from Mr. Bailey from one from 2006 and one from 2011. I like that we're gonna run stuff. through um, to see how we're going to uh, how his views have evolved. Uh, evolved. At all. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't evolved a little yeah. bit. So um, the first one is called "The Maline World of Gangsta Rap" Ooh. by Sean Bailey for the Daily Mail in 2006. <laughs> Huge. 2006, when... It was a big time. I think N-dubs were big. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, think that was pre- I might have been pre-N-dubs, actually. So, no, it wasn't pre-N-dubs. It was you, I feel like, like peak N-dubs. Yeah, it could have been yeah. peak N-dubs. So, this is... Before, like, Dappy went off the road. Um, so-called gangster rap glorifies violence, even murder, and Radio 1, a station funded by the license payer... <laughs> <laughs> should not be paid playing it. You should Aggr- only play the Bradley Walsh Christmas album. Aggressive- the only appropriate music. Aggressively violent lyrics by the likes of 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, and Dr. Dre. He's not even a real dog. <laughs> or oh a real dog. doctor. Oh my God, he's like 
This guy's the Herman Cain. He's Herman Cain. Oh my God. Do have an impact on young people. And I think deep down the powers that be at the BBC know that. And yet they do nothing frozen by their earnest middle-class middle-aged accusing people of being middle-aged while saying 50 Cent is the most popular rapper in 2006. Desire to be fashionable and in touch with what's happening, quote unquote, on the street. <laughs> uh, Wait, so this is a this is a conservative guy claiming that other people are on hip. Is that, is that what's going yes, on? Yes, precisely. Yeah. Uh, he's claiming that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Good. Well, good. that's good. I mean, he's got like the they all have like Benjamin Button, like these guys, <laughs> like they, they're They have like the the. The soul of like an 80-year-old man in the body of – what is this guy, like 45 now? 46? Oh, he's 45 now. He wrote this article in 2006, so he would have been in his mid-30s. This is around when he was making the sort of uh, anti-Muslim, anti-Hindu, anti-single mother's comments. <laughs> he was believing that Snoop Dogg was a popular yet violent gangster rapper. That's what's really Maybe, maybe he, sh- he should have put the anti-Muslim comments into a rap, and then he could have said, play this instead. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, Sean Bailey, Sharia diss track. <laughs> so, um, how is Snoop Lion? Uh, he's Snoop Lion now, I think. Yeah, he's gone back to Has he? Yeah, okay. He's he's back back but this isn't the Snoop Lion era. No. No, okay. this is pretty. So, yeah. According to Complex... The most popular rapper in 2006 was, in fact, Lupe Fiasco. That was a big um, album. Yeah. yeah, it was like... It uh, was with like with T.I. being second. Not aged well. <laughs> Ghostface Killer being third. Um, Killer Mike pre-Run the Jewels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fourth. Mm. Um, and... Nas being fifth, so Fifty Cent isn't even yeah. in. Like, like this, Baz, Baz this is, Sean will tell you the real hip people are listening to Bobby Wiz and the Skiffle Diddles. <laughs> yeah, this is this is absolutely a guy who is who is convinced that like a guy in a purple suit with a big feather in his hat is going to be the person to commit some crime. And the most popular British rapper in two thousand six is Stabby. Lady Sovereign. Yes! Oh, oh shit! I'm English trying to bought me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best line. Yeah, she wouldn't uh-huh. say that now, would she? <laughs> no. Like, Please don't support me and my grandparents. So, so I realise I should have much documentation to prove it. So, if, so if you're a listener, if you're a listener at Sean Bailey, call him a fam. Say that in 2006, the most popular rapper was in fact Lady but Sovereign. The thing is, he's saying he's saying basically in this article that by listening to, I guess, golden oldies of rap in 2006, um, that young, young hip, young people were going to be inspired to commit violence. But just yesterday, there was an actual fascist street riot in London by a group called the Democratic Football Lads Alliance, <laughs> which for the benefit o- of Patty is our version of the Proud Boys. And they all love Oasis. Okay. <laughs> that is literally like what an American shit poster would make up as the name of Britain. <laughs> Democratic yeah, Football I, I was, Yeah, that's like, the, that's like the, I forget whose tweet it was, but it's like, Hey, American politics is crazy. Anyway, I have to go to one of my racist soccer rallies. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like one of the names that like a Russian hack, like a Russian like bot would use to like create a yes, fake. Yes, Democratic Football Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I like, take it down after, the list. Like after one viewing of like Green Street hooligans. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair to the Russian racist soccer hooligans, they're the most like uh, consistent in their beliefs because like there was um so like Hulk for a while used to play. Who's like he's like mixed race, I think. He's a he's 
he's a Brazilian no football player. And he are. played for Zenit St. Petersburg. I'm pretty sure this is the player it happened to. We don't know how to do, but and he was basically their best player. Like he was the reason they were like winning the league. And their fans were like still like throwing bananas and shit. I'm like that's commitment. Like your team's winning because of this player, and you're still like, you know what? I'm I'm sticking you to my what? principle. It's not really. It used to be about the football. Now it's just about the racism. Yeah. Um, but he says, um, for a long time, rap was the nearest thing and the average young black person got to politics. This was our music and it spoke to us. And then about 10 years ago, rap started to change with a new generation of rappers emerging from the housing projects and trailer parks of the U.S. In their eyes, gangster rappers are, in the eyes of the youth rather, gangster rappers are simply the coolest guys on the planet. Now, Wait, again. is he talking about Kid Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Sean Bailey's yeah. the kind of guy. Sorry, Senator Kid Rock to you. Sean, Sean Bailey's the kind of guy who I imagine would probably listen to Kid Rock and like Tim McGraw. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, it's Tim McGraw. We can't, we can't like, have these children hearing this message and learning that when it's your birthday, you go to the club and have a bottle full of bub on your birthday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing. It's like if you're thinking that like like British like British like British like like black kids are being mm. influenced by like the music that's actually being played it's like they wouldn't have any time to commit any crimes they only have 21 seconds <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean these were these were the same people who you know f- 60 years ago were saying that rock around the clock was too suggestive <laughs> right I mean this never ends <laughs> absolutely it's the culture was always perfect just before now it's just that Sean Bailey doesn't seem to be able to understand yeah, doesn't seem to be able to understand what's going on at the time like if you're listening yeah. like 2005 was like like T.I., Lupe Viasco, <laughs> T-Pain. Yeah. It was just guys singing about going to the club. <laughs> and a bit of skateboarding. T.I. was offering his girlfriend whatever she likes. Isn't that a nice <laughs> yeah. message? No, this was before that. This was before that. This was before he even like oh, offered that. Like, so the, so the, the, the T.I. song that was number one in 2006 was uh, What You Know, which is basically a song in which T.I. basically says that I have lots of money and I keep it all in like a Louis Vuitton rucksack. Because my love, because the oh, other okay, one, because okay. the other one got stolen, so I had to buy a new one. So he's a victim of crime. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a great message. And for he the doesn't kids, trust really. the banks. <laughs> <laughs> Foresight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very true. Yeah. Two thousand six. So, so I've got one, I've got another sort of couple of sentences that may like this may be a suicide note because it might melt our brains. Here is what he continues to write. Forget David Beckham and Wayne Rooney. As far as the average urban male teenager is concerned, the worldwide king of cool is Curtis James Jackson III, a.k.a. 50 Cent. Not only has he been so- uh, sold 25 million albums and made a film, but he's been shot nine times. How cool is that? No, he got shot at nine times. So, so every time, so when, when, when he was like popular, right? So when Eminem like first like helped him like produce his first album and he had all these interviews, like... I remember like there were these kind of sh- Saturday morning music shows like SMTV or something like that. And they'd like bring mm. him on and yeah. they'd be like, so, so, so you were in Canada. You were like, I was still listening to grind. You were in Canada right. texting like, um, what's it called? Babe station. <laughs> <laughs> Person station, please. <laughs> Sorry. Um, right. So they were like, you know, Mr. 50 Cent, you were like, you were shot at, you were shot nine times. He goes, nah, man, I was shot at nine times. I was, he was shot four times, right? Oh, that's, that's like mm. less than half as cool. I just, I just found lies, it very, damn lies and statistics. I, 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 just, I just found it funny that like the label that he was on was trying to emphasize this fact that he was this gangster rapper that got shot nine times and everyone time, time someone brought it up, he'll be like, no, I got shot at nine times. Yeah. I got shot four times. Also, like, world- this is a common misconception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to clarify. Sorry, actually it's 50 Cent's monster. <laughs> the best part of that quote is the very last bit of it. 
where like you didn't get that far before Hussein interrupted you. Uh, which is what? He says, he's been shot nine times. How cool is that? Of course, it isn't cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I should know. <laughs> right? But it's also like, come on. Like, it's Forget David Beckham and Wayne Rooney, the worldwide king of coolest 50 cent. Famed rappers. This, this, this guy like went into hypersleep for 10 years or something before writing this. Oh, it's so good. Like, so I just imagine like Sean Bailey is basically a guy in a gown and a nightcap leaning out of the window of City Hall going, will you kids keep it down out there? Some of us are trying to read books. <laughs> Some of us are trying to read Albert Einstein, the smartest man in the world. Forget Larry Bird and Michael Jordan to kids these days. America's king of cool is Orenthal James Simpson, otherwise known as OJ. Man, he's been in hypersleep for a while. These kids worship the big bopper and drink milkshakes all night when they should be studying for their phrenology exams. I'm so I'm worried that my kid is getting involved with a doo-wop group and has been listening to too much of the Glenn Miller Light Orchestra. <laughs> In um, the mood for in sex. In this house, no. we only listen to the haircuts version of Shaboom, not the chords. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I only, <laughs> I only listen to that to those hobo ditties like the Big Rock Candy Mountain for the beats. I don't care about the lyrics. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, "I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want any daughter of mine answering to the name of bitch." We shouldn't have called her bitch then. Should we? <laughs> <laughs> really short-sighted. She has to go by a middle name. And if DJs like Tim Westwood are reluctant to remove the offensive no. tracks from these playlists, then the bosses should consider removing him from their Saturday night schedule. Wait, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. No, wait. So he's going into a moral panic about Tim Westwood, the man who is literally the son of a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> the actual whitest man who has ever lived. But have um, you seen Pimp My Ride UK? Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, those. It was always days. like really funny because in America it was just like really like over everything was overhyped, right? Mm. And like the cars were just like the cars were already big and they were just bigger. Whereas like in the UK it's like oh we've got this like Honda Civic, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like the, the the extent that like pimping went was like it gave it like a slightly like brighter color. And it was like, yeah, we put a TV in your boot. I remember like there was one episode where it was like, yeah, we put a TV in your boot so you can like watch your video, you know, all that stuff. And the guy was like, I, I don't know when I'd watch TV in the boot. <laughs> Yo, dog, we heard that you like football and democratic lads and racism. <laughs> so we put a racism in your football so you can football while you racism. That's a very old um, school meme. Here's yeah. the wonderful thing. After all, there is an awful lot of great rap music out there that can take its place. Oh no, does he give examples? Uh, I wish he did, but Hardly like no. he means he means Will Smith. Yeah. He means oh, he means yeah, that yeah. song yeah. going to Miami or how parents just don't understand. He means Will Smith, he means Limp Bizkit. Yeah, he means uh, clean rap like Kid Rock and <laughs> He, he, mean, he means no. he means Weird Al parodies. No, no. He means he mean he means like the little rap that Nelly does in the Tim McGraw Nelly song. What? what? Come on, you've got to know this. So Tim McGraw and Nelly yeah. did did a song, right? And like some, yeah, and it's, it's like called this, it's over this, and over. Yeah, it's this really it's this really bizarre song. Um, and then like somewhere like three quarters of the way through, as like Tim McGraw's like sad about something, like Nelly just starts rapping. Um, Is that why Tim McGraw's sad. Nelly came into his song uh, and rapped over it. Put the video of the track with the episode. Yeah, Nate, like, Nate mm. dropped that in. Yeah. 
Um, but here's the thing. He then goes on to, Sean Bailey says, such an act, of course, wouldn't be considered censorship. It would simply be a belated admission by the publicly funded BBC that this particular form of rap is dangerous, destructive, and demeaning and should not be broadcast at the license payer's expense. Hire so guys, more DJ Jazzy Jeff. It's not censorship <laughs> for some what, reason. I wonder what, like, I wonder if, like, before the mayoral race, and there's, like, two years left. Right? Yeah, so, two like, years. In theory, if, if, if he goes on for two years, I don't, I don't see it happening. But if he does... At some point, he will like make some type of comment about like six nine. <laughs> no, no, no. That's going to be in ten years from now. Right. He's going to he's going dis- to discover SoundCloud rap in ten years. Um, the most popular, the most popular sex position. This guy. This what's going to happen is 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 Sean, Sean Bailey in twenty years. He's going to post to like the Core Mind or whatever version of Twitter we're all on. Like, hey, you hear about this Post Malone fellow? <laughs> 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 hey, hey everybody, T- TFWN, huh? <laughs> but he's, so what, what, where, where is he now? He's like, what, usually 10 years behind the times, 2008. He hasn't quite discovered Kenai has a cheeseburger yet. No, yeah, no, he's, but we're, but we're getting he's, he's getting to lolcats now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk is cooler than this guy. It's amazing. Yeah. Elon he's, yeah. Elon Musk is cooler than him. Elon Musk has been listening to N-dubs for years. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're we're, go, we're going a bit we're going a bit long, but there's one more I want to dip into. This is a much shorter article, and this is an update. This was written in 2011, uh, after the London riots uh, had taken place. Uh, here's how he begins uh, this article, and it's published in the notionally sort of leftist Guardian, which always fails to actually live up to this idea. Ahem. Word up, kids. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, he was sitting backwards <laughs> on a chair when he wrote this, for sure. <laughs> Smashing up your neighbor's business or setting fire to someone's home is pure criminality, and throwing bricks at the police is not okay. Is this a Will Smith rap? <laughs> <laughs> Yet opportunism, <laughs> yeah. the thrill of being part of the crowd is, I believe, why, why and how most young people got involved in the London riots. Now... Um, the Running Heat Trust has some ideas about the London riots. If you look at any set of riots in the UK, um, 1981, if you look at the Tostat riots, if you look at the Relton Road riots, if you look at the Tottenham most recent riots, there's always um, a disintegration of the relationship between the black community and the police, um, an austerity programme and a recession, um, and normally the closure of youth services. None of that has been mentioned from supposed expert in youth and crime, um, Sean Bailey. None uh, of that is... Ha- have you done any analysis into the correlation between that and how many times 50 Cent says ho in a given year? Do you know what, I haven't. That- and I might put that proposal at work tomorrow. Yeah. I'm just yeah. going to be like, I think we've missed a trick here. So <laughs> here is... here. So that is... This is, this is the running me trust sort of uh, theory of why this happens. Here's Sean Bailey's theory. How do I know this? The riots have sprung up in seemingly random places, and certain brands have been targeted. Young people have been looting the shops they like. JD phones in mobile, JD sports in mobile phone shops have been hit. Yet Waterstones bookshop has been left alone. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have is basically a, a an article version of, "Hey, I haven't seen you at the nightclub. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen you at the library." <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, that's that, that's what I use whenever, you know. Yeah, whenever you're being targeted by the police, like, hey, yeah. I haven't seen you at the police at the library, officer. <laughs> How is this man a real person? Y'all read Sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> How many y'all reading Sapiens? <laughs> it's like it's like 
it's 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 how many y'all how many you reading sapiens you know actually do you watch game of thrones prestige tv is the new movies oh that he's gonna get really into prestige tv by the time he's uh, actually running he's gonna be like, have you heard of this show game of thrones by the time he's running for mayor how many y'all heard of prison break <laughs> <laughs> when a when a film comes out that people are encouraging to see sean bailey has to wait well because he has to wait for the novelization of the film to come out because <laughs> that's the only smart way to enjoy it for me, the deepest issue here at play is one of responsibility. Can we blame the state when parents have been allowed to abdicate responsibility for the behavior of their children? We watched previous governments talk up rights for young people with no mention of responsibilities, and we've allowed our welfare system to prop up their immoral lifestyles. With great rights come great we responsibility. Not, we have not taught all our young people that an entitlement culture is morally wrong, ed- editor's note, for some reason. And we have paid the price for this liberalism. Now we need to collectively grow up and take some responsibility. Responsibility of what? Yeah, the Conservative Party, and in this case, Sean Bailey, love to talk about responsibilities, but they have taken absolutely no responsibility about how their own policy have impacted people's lives. So their austerity policy um, has clearly impacted, in fact, BME, black and minority ethnic single mothers the most. They've lost the most um, over the past 10 years um, from austerity measures, um, equal to about 8,000 to 11,000 pounds per year um, because of cuts to public services. So if they really want to, if they want young people to have agency to change their lives, um, and res- be able to resist the mores of the rap music of 50 Cent, which... If they don't want young people to be influenced by the, the very aspirational 50 Cent, yeah, whose like, he- first yeah. album was literally all about how he left crime and used music to buy like a really nice house. Yeah, they yeah. should love 50 Cent. He's a water entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> he started his own business. Yeah. Look at him now. He's an inspiration to the youth. <laughs> buy your whole family houses. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember DJ Khaled. Oh yeah, buy your mama a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's the acceptable rapper. It's DJ Khaled. All of these, all of these rappers that that, that, Bail- that Sean Bailey is talking about, all talk about personal responsibility and being yeah. kind to your family and community on Instagram. Yeah. Like Jordan Peterson gets yeah. all the credit for it. <laughs> now nah, Sean Bailey would like DJ Khaled definitely because DJ Khaled is always just saying utter no, nonsense. Multi- <laughs> it's multicultural. It's race music. No, but crucially, DJ Khaled is not cool in any way. <laughs> It'll be like definitely the bar. Um, oh fuck, DJ Khaled. Yeah, we've all just had a moment there, just remembering, remembering about remembering DJ on the jet ski. Another pouring one. one out for our boy. Another pouring one. out some apple syrup for our boy. And another one. <laughs> another one. They don't want you reading books. <laughs> that went a bit Jersey mob there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want you reading Sapiens. And of course. <laughs> Water. <laughs> Get that knowledge. Get that knowledge. Flowers. Get that knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but seriously, other than obviously aspiring to take care of your family and start mm. a business like our rap idols, if the government wants young people to take responsibility, if they want parents to be able to support their children and keep them away from rioting in the streets or at least getting them to riot from a water stones if they're going to steal from anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maxing out your 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 int stat, yeah. reading sapiens over yeah. and over again. <laughs> Man stealing a copy of Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> <laughs>
I got Catherine Hepburn's me. I got 12 rules for life. I got the novelization of Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> the missing piece by Shel Silverstein. <laughs> Being Jordan by Katie Price. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we keep derailing this by talking about funny books. That is funny. Mm. Oh, Jordan. Forgot about her. Yeah. Do you know she got arrested? She, she got arrested for like drunk driving on a, on the street near my house, in a, oh, in, a, in, a, in a pink four by four. Oh. Wow. Listening to too much rap music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what that does. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the government doesn't have a coherent policy. They want young people to take responsibility for their lives, but they also say um, that they need rules and mm. um, are very paternalistic and pathologize them. And it's not really clear what they want from any of us. They use anecdotal evidence instead of research. Mm -hmm. um, and they've taken away support from young parents. They're not supporting people working on shifts. So if they really mm -hmm. want people to, they've closed down youth clubs in most of these areas. So if Sean Bailey really wants to be London mayor, if he's serious about it, um, getting us to stop listening to rap music isn't going to change anything but he could actually implement policies that could help these families. And I've not heard him say anything um, to indicate that he's going to help change those people's lives. He just talks about them in a negative way. It's almost as though he doesn't actually care. <laughs> I can now, I possibly comment on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as though there's a huge smokescreen <laughs> for the fact that he just has incredibly regressive views. <laughs> Okay. Um, any 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 final any final thoughts from our panel from New York? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's nice to have um, to know that it's going on on both sides of the pond, where we have these guys who pretend to be hip to the youth and and really care what's going on, and then just immediately dismiss everything else and just say, anyway, uh, what you really should do is uh, vote uh, conservative, and uh, that'll take care of your problems. Just be an be an amazing, exceptional person. Um, with no sort of safety net or anything from from our government, and uh, just assume you'll be rich. It's fine, you know. Be an aspirational millionaire. That's worked out for everybody in history. This thing, they always use the word exceptional. Like everyone has to be exceptional, and it's like that's logically they impossible. Yeah, no. They didn't look at. It's like yeah, it's like you have to overcome the odds and rise out of your circumstances, as though the people left behind are just part of the terrain. Well, didn't, didn't Sean Bailey? He he mm. promoted that story from the Evening Standard, our favorite newspaper, um, about the kids who was so desperate to become rich that he, uh, we watched this like business show in America. Oh yeah. And then he just started and then he went, knocking And then he went to like doors. Kensington and Chelsea and he was knocking on people's doors and he was basically like asking them like, how did you get rich? Right. So he goes into the most expensive neighborhood in London and asks for stuff. And like the stuff they were telling him, apparently according to the article, were like you just have to work hard and go to college every day. And you know, you know, and stay focused and you'll, and, you, and you'll be successful and you'll be able to buy a house like this. And then he happens to like knock on the door of like, someone who works at BlackRock, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. uh, you know, that famously good bank yeah. BlackRock, um, who was like, who offered him an internship and then like, you know, he got, he got a job and stuff like yeah. that. So Sean Bailey was like, oh yeah, what an exceptional and outstanding person. We need more young people like him, mm -hmm. like completely missing the point. But like, number one, everyone in that neighborhood was like feeding him bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. And no, number, number two, two, you should, and you should not have to like be knocking on people's doors like asking them why they're like so much wealth while why they live in like these fucking massive houses in London mm. when you're like living in like a council estate with like your mum and sister, you know, and your kids, despite the fact that your mum works like night shifts. And number three, it, it's, it, oh, you got it. I was gonna say, it's also like the definition of exceptional is that it's not 
the norm, right? So like yeah. everyone can't be exceptional because by definition, that's not, I don't know. Whatever. As the libertarians yeah. keep saying to us. Well, you know what it is? If it's, a, and it's a, that's number one and two. Number three is he got his job at BlackRock, not because he studied hard and went to college every day, but because he made friends with the guy who's the head of BlackRock by knocking on his door. And wearing a cool suit, apparently. Right? Like, so all of the other advice, all the stuff that the personal responsibility stuff that Sean Bailey's talking about was all disproven by the fact that we actually saw nepotism in action because he yeah. got a job from making friends with the guy. It wasn't working hard or taking responsibility. It was luck. They were like, but hey, son, just tell me, you don't listen to any of that rap music, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I think um, I, we, we've gone on for an enormous amount of time. Nate's going to yeah. kill us. <laughs> Because yeah. you've been listening to too much rap music. Yeah. This, 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 is, this has been, it's been a very fun a very fun sode, guys. Thank you very much for coming on and dialing in. I actually feel less hungover than I did at the start. It's great. Damn. damn. Maybe we should patent Trash Future and sell yeah. it as a miracle cure for hangovers. See what an hour and a half without listening to the satanic music of Vanilla Ice can do for us. <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, will be walking back home listening to Twisted Transistor by Korn featuring Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, um, and there was another rapper in there as well. It wasn't 50 Cent. Yeah. Um, no, he was too busy selling water. Uh, oh, man, I can't wait till Sean Bailey, like, it, whatever year 50 Cent got into vitamin water, I can't wait till, like, it's 10, <laughs> it's 10 years after that year so Sean Bailey can realize that he did. All the kids are doing vitamins now. Yeah, no, what an inspiration he's, to these. He's definitely got, like, a weird 10-year memento disease, right? He does. Anyway, um, so, like we said before, we have a Patreon you can subscribe to it for $5 a month. You get our second episode or you can debate us for $25 a month. No other left-wing podcast has ever t- thought up this model. We're the first ones to do it. Yeah. Um, Remember, can- any money you donate to our Patreon is money that you can't spend on hose and scissors. <laughs> so it's progressive. You, uh, you can also come to our live show if you're in London on uh, the 30th of October at the Seckford. You should come to it. It's going to be quite fun. We're all going to be yeah. there. We're going to be cracking wise. Yeah. Also, uh, the week before, 24th of October, on Wednesday at the Seckford, I'm running a stand-up night with friends of the show, Olga Koch and Alex Keeley. It's going to be it's going to be great. It's free to get in. It's, it's also good. at the Seckford, right? It's also at the Seckford, yeah. yeah it's, good, it's good stand-up comedy. Yeah, come to it, please. Um, and you guys, anything? You oh, is this promote? the shameless plug? Yeah, bit? This, this is the sh- or shameful plugs if you want to cover your head so God can't see you. Oh, yeah, that is true. I don't want to go to hell and everything, so. <laughs> um, not really. I'll just plug my Twitter. Is that yeah, a thing you can do? Yeah, do it. Okay. Um, my Twitter, I'm going to spell it Macintosh. It's a hard we'll name. We'll link it in the description. Okay, <laughs> then just. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> Follow Kimberly on Twitter. Yeah, Her Twitter's Twitter. in the description. Yeah. Uh, Pat, you got anything coming up? Or do you go Pat yeah, or Pat? Just, uh, uh, I don't really care. So uh, <laughs> you got anything I'm coming up? The, uh, I'll put a cloth over my head like I'm going to eat Ortolan, you know, to hide myself. <laughs> yes, you got from the shame. reference. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, you said at the beginning, I have a podcast. What a time to be alive. Uh, we're having fun doing that. It's myself, Eli Uden, Kath Barbadoro. Uh, check it out, I guess. That's easy enough. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, you, as always, you can commodify your descent with a teacher from Little Comrade. Yeah, absolutely. You can, um, you can get, and there are a couple of pre-made ones, but we suggest you go for custom text. You can put anything you want on there and Edie will print it within reason. Snoop Dogg's not even a real dog, for example. Yeah, for example, you could put in some of your favorite uh, rap lyrics from 2006 Superstar 50 Cent. What, if, what was 50 Cent doing in 2006? Get it put on a shirt with our branding on the back. He was in the club. Yeah, he was in the club, not in the library, actually. He was, he was, in the club. He was on a treadmill. 
He wasn't <laughs> even in a club. He was on a treadmill. He was exercising. I believe he was both on a treadmill and at the club. And finally, right. um, mm. our theme song from the first half of this episode was always is provided by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify. It's called Here We Go. It's extremely good. But I think I'm going to ask Nate to put in Double Up by Kid Boo as our end theme song. What is that? Kid Boo, come on the show. Yeah, Kid Boo, come on the show, please. I want to talk about the time that you put on like a demon mask and flamethrower to pig on Instagram Live. Huge. Anyway. Did that happen? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, Kimberly, Patty, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Cool. It's been a pleasure. It was a lovely time. Good night, everyone. Goodbye, and don't listen to the static music of Vanilla Ice.